In most cases, doxing attacks will smooth over pretty quick. Meanwhile, the lasting kind of impacts to people's mental health and obviously warranted paranoia and anxiety can take years to recover from. Really, sometimes things don't always smooth over. It takes a special kind of trust to be made to make a friend on the internet. We've seen people that do it for fun. They don't even know the person. It's a hobby. They're bored and they'll just pick a random person. This is C-Suite, the podcast where you'll hear stories from real people, leaders, and cybersecurity experts about how to stay connected and protected. Welcome back to our second season. Every episode, we'll explore where cyber issues come from and how we can outsmart even the most sophisticated attempts to compromise our security. I'm your host, Claudette McGowan. Given its anonymous nature, the internet has provided a unique opportunity for people to express themselves and connect with others on a level that might not have been possible in the real world. However, as we'll learn today, this anonymity can be a double-edged sword. Although the internet has enabled us to explore our interests and express creativity without fear of being judged, it has also made us more vulnerable to potential cyber attacks like doxing. Originating from the hacker culture of the 90s, the term doxing evolved from the word dox or documents. It refers to the act of compiling a series of documents containing an internet user's personal information and releasing it for all the world to see. Several celebrities and public figures like Donald Trump, Kim Kardashian, and Lady Gaga have been doxxed, meaning information like their home address, social security number, and credit scores have been revealed to the public. Why do people do this? Is it considered a true cyber crime? And how do we protect ourselves and our privacy online while still reaping all the benefits the internet has to offer? In this episode, we'll attempt to answer these questions and more. To help us dive deeper into the complexities of doxing, I sat down with Steve from TD. Steve is a senior manager of customer and brand protection, and he runs a team called Customer Protection and Intelligence Operations, which handles threats from the deep, dark web to keep the bank and its stakeholders safe. Steve explains how a bad actor might go about doxing another internet user. So what the doxer will do is they'll go out and they will try to find as much private information as the target person as possible. They will look to find your CPP number. I'm on the Canadian side. On the U.S. side, they will look to find your social security number. They will look to find your credit card numbers, your employer, your phone number your email address, your home address, your work address, personal pictures. That could even include um, personal pictures that involve your family, your spouse, your children. Um, So it can get pretty involved. That information they can find in various places. They can find that on all of the most popular social media sites, Facebook, Twitter, even LinkedIn. People tend to leave themselves wide open it is one of the easier targets 
where a threat actor could gain a lot of personal information on there because people leave themselves wide open um, rather than locking themselves down using the privacy settings. If you were to utilize all of those privacy settings, previous colleagues, people that you've gone to university in the past, they wouldn't be able to find you. So it's kind of a hard balance of how much do you lock yourself down. So what they'll do is they'll go and post it on various websites, blogs, paste bin type sites, social media sites, right back to where they gathered it. <laughs> Oftentimes, the bottom line is, is they're trying to get as much visibility on it as possible. The negative repercussions of doxing can be completely ruinous in the real world. Not only can it affect people's financial, professional, and personal lives, but it can also potentially put them in harm's way physically. You might be thinking, why would anyone do this to another human being? One of the most horrifying elements of doxing is that very often, there's no real rhyme or reason behind it, as Steve explains. There's various reasons. Personal reasons, personal gain, political reasons. You have extreme hacktivists that are out there. We've seen people that do it for fun. They don't even know the person. It's a hobby. They're bored and they'll just pick a random person, which is scary. You may have seen that was happening to rich and famous, so to speak, or, or stars. But over time, it just kind of spread to anybody. They were just doing it just to see if they could do it and just randomly picking people or if they had a personal grievance with somebody. So at this point, there's really no rhyme or reason against why they're doing it or who they're doing it to. With so much of our lives lived online today, many people, especially youth, may struggle to separate their virtual lives from the real-life consequences of the actions they take online. For Thomas, a 23-year-old man living in Toronto, the gaming world has connected him with a community of like-minded people and enriched his life in many ways. Video games have been something I've grown up on. I was, I was very young. When at the very beginning, I was playing MMORPGs like Maple Story with my sister. It was with my family as it was kind of like my starting point of introduction to video games, like that communal aspect of sorts of being intensive, like together. With how the gaming community is, you can find such like a big community falling behind it and a lot of like-minded people within it to start connecting with other like-minded individuals that have the same interests as yours. Although the gaming community has brought many positive benefits to Thomas's life, he's also seen its dark side. The impacts of doxing became all too real when he witnessed the toll it took on his friend that he met while playing a game called Gary's Mod. I'll call my friend MD. MD was a very good guy. Nobody really wanted to bother him. He was always following the rules of the server and he made sure that he wasn't trying to create much conflict as possible. And at the time, I couldn't figure out how he got doxed. Over time, MD became more and more immersed in the virtual world of the game. He became a moderator and he gained somewhat of a reputation among the other users. Thomas remembers the strong loyalty started to form between the different groups within the game. 
GBS was the strongest and the largest criminal organization on the server at the time. They were chaotic, rule breakers, and very loud in their language. They were not a good group of people, but they were the most powerful. MD was a moderator, but moderators are still able to play the game and can choose which groups to join. He wanted to join the organization, try to become friends with GBS, because he was a kid at the time, he didn't know better. And while holding the power of trying to ensure fair play. Now, what happened was that over time, I noticed it that because my friend was in a special position of being a moderator, MD had to turn a blind eye to a lot of GBS's actions that were rule breaking. And he wasn't doing his job as a moderator to ensure fair play. He was letting action slide because, well, to be frank, I didn't know at the time. I just knew that he was turning a blind eye to it and I couldn't speak more out on it because he was my friend. Unfortunately, I don't know who in particular and GBS did it, but I knew was that it was produced by them and it was, it was sanctioned and it spread out by starting from them and spread throughout the whole roleplay server community. Everybody eventually knew of the information. As time went on, the other players had gathered information through chatting with MD and ultimately put the pieces together. A lot of social engineering can occur about letting up small personal identifying information over time. Though I would say he did do that. He let out his real name once. He let out his other identifying information and even more so within chat rooms. There was one thing that was unfortunate. It was the program itself we used, TeamSpeak. TeamSpeak? When you're an admin on that particular server, you are capable of seeing IP addresses of every connected user within that server. That was probably one big way that they used to narrow down the search of finding out uh, MD's real-life identity. What happens next is truly heartbreaking. Other users from the game began tormenting MD, both in real life and online which ultimately resulted in a mental health crisis. With the result of a lot of his personal identifying information being released, his phone was harassed on repeat. It was not just like it affected him alone. It affected his whole immediate family as well. And unfortunately, a literal box of uh, feces was sent to his door as well. The reason why he immersed himself so well in the community is that MD's personal life was so out of control that his only way to regain control in life was to immerse himself in something virtual. And that his virtual life has come crashing down as well. As simply put, he didn't have a desire to live life anymore. So it's just so much uncontrollable elements now that as a kid, it would be a lot to endure. He messaged me one day about in vivid detail how he was gonna not live life anymore of how his plans were of what he was doing in particular to make sure he doesn't have to suffer anymore it came at me as a shock because no one wants to see a friend just pass away so me myself being very young at the time i was panicking i didn't know what to do so I tried to go to the community for help. 
but then he was also in that team speak as well. Communicate to everyone in there, describing in vivid detail his plans. And then I took the vocal uh, chance to again try to convince him otherwise, but then he he got very infuriated with me for trying to stop him. Thomas quickly became aware that what had begun as a strictly virtual conflict was now spilling over into MD's real life in a very serious way. He needed to intervene and fast. What happened was, was that the docs was widespread. Everybody knew who he was, where he was. I took that opportunity. I demanded his real life information so I can use it to call him and try to talk him out of it again. Now him being more ex- extremely frustrated that I keep trying to stop him at every uh, turn of the corner, he eventually starts cut off communication with me. And that's when I knew he was really serious at that point forward. The thing that I really thought in my head was Kids Help Phone. It's a Canadian uh, help phone for, uh, for a lot of youth to find the resources that they need. And what I needed at the time was the help to try to save someone from trying to commit suicide. Kids Help Phone was more than helpful. When I explained to them the whole situation, I went through so they transferred me to so many places. I remember calling Kids Help Phone and then actually explaining it. They transferred me to like the, the Canadian like uh, suicide hotline. From the hotline, they transferred me to like the American one. And then from the American one, they transferred me to the local police station of that town my friend was in because I had the doc's information time. I could directly tell him where to go, who to find, what his name is, uh, and how to find him. When I initially called the police from the other local police, some southern state, I have nothing to hide. I, I just explained to them exactly why I'm calling and I believe why he needs help. And they were very receptive of it. I had to thank him for that. They easily could have thought it was a prank caller at the time, but they didn't. They sent a patrol vehicle to do a mental wellness check, as they they said. After the mental wellness check, he unblocked me, sent me more infuriating messages about why I'm trying to stop him. And then that's when I called the police again. And since then, I didn't hear from ever since. I tried my best, and I don't know what the outcome was within the end. All I knew was, from that point forward, I just lost a friend because I tried my best to save him. And I don't know if I did save him, but I know I really tried my hardest. Although Thomas was quick to step in and try to help MD, the tragic reality is that once someone has been doxxed, there's not much that can be done to reverse the situation, as Steve explains. First thing that I would say, just to be completely upfront and honest, is because it's scary, is that most likely you will not get it all down. Once it's out there, it's pretty much out there. You can get it down on some sites, um, Twitter, Facebook, Google, that, you know, they will um, comply. They have terms of service. They they won't get it taken down quickly, right? They're going to review it. You're going to submit it and they're going to go and review it against their terms of service. Once they review it and determine that it is a violation of their terms of service, only then are they going to take it down. Well, who knows how long it's going to take them to review it. You may get a Twitter analyst 
that reviewed it and took it down pretty quickly. Or you may get one that was busy and didn't get to it very quickly. Who knows how quick it took them to review it and take it down. So by the time they actually reviewed it, at that point, it could really just spread like wildfire. While there isn't much you can do to remedy the situation after you've been doxxed, there are several steps you can take to stay safe online and keep your identity anonymous. John Borscheid is the co-founder of Removally, a data removal service that offers daily scans for personal information online. John and his business partner, Kyle, recently launched Removally after their unfortunate run-in with doxing. A few years back, I was a pretty well-respected member of a very large marketing forum. Um, I had been a member there for over a decade and had really amassed just millions of words of content, guides, and more information to really assist people of the forum. It was essentially making money online. At some point, a chat group I was a member of that was off the forum with quite a few current and former members of the forum started to kind of lash out against a moderator who had started to ban users for various things. One of the members of that chat group who had been banned from the forum decided to use a third-party mailing service to physically mail an explicit image in the form of a greeting card to that moderator's house. So essentially, he got doxxed. But when he received that piece of mail, he kind of lost it. He began to threaten legal action against every member of that chat group. The problem came in that the person who mailed the card didn't live in the United States. But I did. So he started to go after us, even when the person that mailed the card confessed to him and even forwarded him the purchase receipt. So then the moderator kind of pivoted and said that it was mailed to a child and that he's getting the FBI involved. So it was at this point that I really realized the extent of what was possible. Honestly, the worst was the legal threats. So the idea of civil litigation for something that I really didn't have any part of in the first place was really terrifying. There were a few occasions that he stated that he had visited my city to meet with lawyers and that he dropped my personal information off at the local FBI office to be reviewed. For obvious reasons, doxing can be an extremely stressful and often traumatic event in someone's life. While it may blow over quickly for many people, others aren't so lucky. In most cases, doxing attacks will smooth over pretty quick. Meanwhile, the lasting kind of impacts to people's mental health and Obviously, warranted paranoia and anxiety can take years to recover from. Really, sometimes things don't always smooth over. To be honest, very few people really will dox others without some kind of malicious intent on the back end. Just in the short time since we launched Removally last June, we've had conversations with people that have been really facing some problematic situations. To really kind of put it simply, it's one thing to get death threats from an anonymous source online but it's something totally different to get those same threats from someone who has proven access to your home address, your cell phone number, where you work, who your family members are. And to kind of layer onto that, laws against cyber stalking and online harassment are still so lax around the world that in most cases, there's really little to no repercussion for the aggressor on that front. It's chilling to think of just how easy it can be to dox another person If you're someone with enough malicious intent, billions of us live much of our lives online, which puts us all in a vulnerable position. 
If you're uh, over 18 and you really haven't actively put work into scrubbing your personal details from the internet, simply Googling someone's first and last name, as well as the city and state in combination with an age or an age range for some of the more common names is generally enough to grab a ridiculous amount of personal data on just about anyone. I mean, some kind of think that just making your social media accounts private is enough to be considered anonymity across the internet. But sadly, that's really not the case. In, in many cases, doxing can occur just by searching someone's name on really popular people search websites. Um, some of the most common that Kyle and I have found as we've built up Removally have been fast people search, smart background checks, that's them, and Radaris. So these sites are popular because they typically display full addresses, past address histories, phone numbers, everything without needing to wait for a report to be built over the course of 10 minutes or pay for a PDF that has that kind of information. It's just there. Separate your online life from your personal life as much as you can. If you're a streamer, don't go by your full personal name. And most of the time it, it goes even further than just Googling your name. There's quite a few sites that don't index their results into Google, but you can easily find them if you go to search for them. Blur out your background. Don't have information behind you that can kind of clue people in as to where you are. If you own a house, go to Zillow and look at it because I, I did that. And when I found my house, I looked through the pictures and I was like, this is great for when I went to buy the house. But now it's really just a blueprint for here's what my floor plan is and here are the best ways to get in. When you're taking pictures at home, make sure you keep that in mind. Doxing someone can be as simple as clicking a few buttons on your computer, but once it's done, there's no turning back. But it's important to remember the enormous impacts it can have on someone's life. Old story of mine, but it's one I'm always think back on a lot. It's saddening to think about usually because I don't know the outcome, my friend, in the end. I still don't know. I don't even have access to that same docs any longer because I chose to get rid of it. I don't want to be reminded of it. I still remember his first name and last name and his hometown and that's it. I, don't, I choose to forget everything else. The stories shared in this episode serve as powerful reminders of the need to proceed with caution when interacting with others online. Here are a few key takeaways we can all put into practice going forward. Be careful to avoid confrontations online whenever possible. Behind the veil of the online world, you never know how willing another person may be to cause harm in real life. Be smart about the information you share online. While social media is a tool many of us use for connection, promotion, and entertainment, it's important to avoid revealing too much about your personal life on any platform, even if your accounts are private. Although some people may think of doxing as harmless, it can have serious impacts on people's lives and mental health. Think twice before sharing the personal information of others in an online forum because you never know when it might fall into the wrong hands. Thank you to Steve and John for sharing your expert knowledge. And thank you to Thomas for sharing your story. 
And thank you for listening to C-Suite. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Join me for the next episode airing on April 14th. I'm Claudette McGowan. And remember, with over 4 billion of us online, we have to do everything possible to keep ourselves connected and protected.